Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. So today we're going to be examining the differences in the choices uh, between birth parents versus adopted parents when they are entering into an adoptive match. According to Adoption.com, choices that expectant parents, read birth parents in the adoption triad, make number of children currently in the family, family's location, open, semi-open, or closed adoption, racial background of the adopting couple, education of the adopting couple, adopting mothers and adopting fathers employment, family pets, and agency versus private adoption. Now we'll compare those choices to the choices that hopeful adopting parents face, also according to Adoption.com. Number of children they're willing to adopt, the type of adoption as in domestic or international or a foster child adoption. They, also like the birth parents, will consider open, semi-open, or closed adoptions, racial background of the child, education of the birth parents, agency or private adoption, age of the child, gender of the child, birth order, drug, alcohol, or cigarette exposure, and exposure to abuse or neglect. Going through the, uh, the choices that Adoption.com has identified as the variables that each entity really focuses on is really fascinating because they're very different, yet you will find some similarities. I also think it's interesting that the number of variables that the birth mothers and birth fathers tend to have when they're entering into an adoptive match are much less in terms of number or quantity than the adoptive parents. So to me, that was fascinating. And having been with birth mothers when they're choosing an adoptive family, I will say this is spot on. This is 100% spot on. Uh, These identified variables are what we see all day, every day. Now, they don't always have all of these. I would say from my experience, the number of children currently in the family, the family's location, uh, the open versus semi-open adoption versus closed adoption, the racial background are the most important to a birth mother. So I would say the top four are what I see their decisions based upon. In regards to the potential adoptive parents and their choice, 
um, in terms of matching with a birth mother. The ones that I see in terms of being kind of their priorities are absolutely not the first one. I don't see that very often. The number of children waiting to adopt, going into an adoption, the domestic versus international versus foster. Yes, that is that is uh, a primary issue that adoptive families do focus on. Um, the open versus closed versus semi-open is absolutely a priority I have seen as well. The racial background of a child, I would say in some cases, there are some families that come into adoption and the racial background of a child is irrelevant. Some of them are focused on that, but other ones are not. When they are focused on the racial background, is it more often that they want the same race as themselves? Or is it more often that they're like, I would like a mixed race or a particular race that's not my own? In my experience, it is very, first of all, it's it's a very, very awkward and uncomfortable conversation that is had for the adoptive family because it is usually prefaced with, you know, I'm not racist, you know, I'm not prejudiced at all. However, and then they will, there will be a list of reasons, you know, in the area I live in, you know, we do not have very many minorities. I wouldn't want the child to stand out. You know, our family does not have any diversity at all, you know, extended family. So they will start prefacing as to why, you know, they have this, this preference. I, I do think that in some situations, adoptive families do want the child to look like them for reasons such as they don't necessarily want to stand out. They don't maybe want uh, the fact that the child is adopted to be, you know, front and center. They don't want somebody to think that they're fostering or they're babysitting. They want, they want to be looked at as a unit. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fear is, is that if they have a child of a different race, that that's going to be different than if they were to have a child that was not. And as we're progressing into, you know, 2020 and going forward, that is lessening. I will say it is 100% lessening. I will say too, that, you know, black birth moms very much would like to place their baby also with an African-American family, a black family, uh, if that's possible. Unfortunately, we don't see very many very few, I would say, if at all, Black or African-American families that are looking to adopt out of uh, the domestic program. So in that situation for birth mothers who really want their child to be in a family with another person in that family that is of color, they will often choose a family that maybe has already adopted a Black child. And so there is some some continuity in, in, in some uh, someone to relate to color wise. And, you know, another concern is one of the number one things I hear from, from moms that, that are black that want their, their babies adopted by a black couple is they're very worried about the skin and the hair. That is the, one of the number one things that they're concerned about is they're not going to know how to take care of their skin and take care of their hair. And so you know, we also have an international program where we adopt out of Haiti. So we have, we explained to the uh, the birth parents that, you know, there are resources that we do give to adoptive families. And, you know, I do travel all over the country and get to see a lot of the babies as they're growing up and their hair and their, their skin looks great. 
So right. they're doing an amazing job. And I can tell you from, you know, from my experience in, in looking at these children as they're growing up that, you know, we'll make sure that they have all the resources they need so that they're, you know, this child will have good skin and, and good hair. I see that as a weird kind of deterrent Do you, because, you know, if you think about it, before you have a baby, you don't know how to breastfeed. Or change a diaper. I mean, maybe you do from, you know, life experiences on a diaper thing. But there's a lot of things that once you have a baby, whether it's adopted or whether it's, okay, you well, know. Ron, we're going to go back real quick. Breastfeeding is natural and has been done since the beginning of time. Right. You know, animals breastfeed. So it but is so a natural is- so is learning how to take care of a child's different needs, whether it's their hair or their skin. It's things that you will learn. It's not things that all of a sudden you'll just be completely taken aback by. You figure it out, right? Yes, absolutely. You figure it out. And like I said, there's so many resources out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have staff members that have children of different colors. And so, you know, they can speak to some of the birth moms and some of the families and talk with them about what that's like and how beautiful it is. And then you've got, you know, celebrities that people say, well, they're celebrities. It doesn't matter. Well, actually people do look up to them and it does make a difference. And I think that when there is somebody that you look at as, you know, credible, um, Angelina Jolie, for, for instance, right. you know, you look at her, she's adopted, you know, children of all different colors. And I think that, that has actually helped people in the adoption world, whether it be birth moms or adoptive families to see that, you know, blending families is beautiful and it is looked at very differently than it was 50 years ago. Adoptive families, they have not, in my opinion, seemed to focus on the religion of the birth parents. Special needs is definitely a focus. Gender is is a big one. And it's one that as an agency that we have struggled with in the past for a number of reasons. And I, I find this interesting and I really hope that this information kind of sinks into our listeners because it's something that I have watched over 16 years now evolve and change regarding gender. When you are having your own biological child, you don't get to choose. You don't get to have a boy or a girl. And the combative argument when I've used this is, well, there are certain things you can do so that your chances are higher that you may have a boy or a girl. Ultimately, you don't really get to choose. With regards to adoption, the majority of people who are adopting want to, if given the preference, adopt a girl. 80% of adoptions used to be girls because of all the adoptions that were done through China. You could only adopt girls from China. So those numbers were skewed way up on the female side. And now that, you know, China has changed drastically, the types of adoptions they're doing, they're, you know, focusing more on special needs. And there are some boys in the special needs category that you can adopt through China. Meeting and accommodating a family with regard to gender. And then, I mean, you hear every story from, well, I have four boys and I really want a girl or I have, you know, three girls and my husband really wants a son. And, and I understand that. And I appreciate that. And I, and I often let families know that we're not the agency for you because of enough, there's a couple of factors. One, we used to do gender preferences very early on in our agency. And what happened is it just bottlenecked our program. 
50% of the women, when they came into the agency, did not know what they were having. So those 50% could not be shown to a particular family. The other 50%, half were having boys and half were having girls. So we were only able to show one quarter of the potential birth moms as a match for this family to this family. The other thing is that ultrasounds, even today in 2020, are not always correct. Um, they, you know, you will be told it's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl. Surprise, it's a boy. And so there's no, there's no guarantees. And, you know, people will say, well, have you had that happen? Yes, yes. We've had families show up, you know, doused in what looks like Pepto-Bismol you know, waiting for a girl and out pops a little guy and that happens. And so I understand that going into the adoption choice plan journey, you really want to control as many aspects as you can. And that's one aspect that as a potential adoptive family looking at you think, well, that's one thing I can control is to whether or not I adopt a boy or a girl. Not really. With any agency, you would wait longer. We do have families that kind of sneak in the back door because we don't allow the gender preference. And so when you send out profiles of of ones that are looking to be shown, they will obviously opt for the ones that are known to be having a girl. And again, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee whatsoever. There was an agency years ago in Arizona that was actually sued because the baby came out the wrong gender. And I don't think the lawsuit was, I, you know, I, mean, I think it was dropped and it wasn't found substantiated, but it, it was, again, there's no guarantees. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's no crystal ball. There's no fortune teller that can tell us this is for sure a girl, but gender is definitely a big, a big issue. Um, another big issue for adoptive families is alcohol and drug use. Uh, some families really used to be worried about whether or not a birth mother was smoking regular cigarettes. I actually haven't heard a family be concerned about that in a very long time. So they're just more realistic now or? I think that, I think because uh, drugs are so much more prevalent now than Mm -hmm. we used to see in the past. And there's so much more information and education out there about drug exposure that it would be like, if you're, going to uh, clean an entire house, whether or not the cup has, you know, a dirty spot in it isn't going to be the focus when you're looking at the bigger picture. So don't focus on something small when there is something, you know, potentially much larger. So for adoptive families, drug use, absolutely paramount. Um, They are, there is concern about mental illness on behalf of the the birth parents. Um, Again, Mental illness is is very similar, I would say, in terms of finding out actually. I mean, mental illness can be fluid in the sense that, you know, one doctor can diagnose somebody with this diagnosis and then another doctor can perceive the diagnosis as something different and give a different diagnosis. And then, you know, did somebody exhibit symptoms warranting this diagnosis 10 years ago? but those symptoms are no longer being exhibited today. So again, mental illness is very hard. Some of it is to be considered genetic and and possibly passed down and others they're saying there's less of a chance. So that's a hard one too. And then when you also have drug use, 
and mental illness, it is very hard to distinguish, is this true mental illness or is this, you know, drug-induced psychosis? So again, differentiating between the two it is very hard. Adoptive families, again, really want to focus on open versus closed. There is still that fear of the birth mother who lovingly placed a baby with an adoptive family. Coming back. To crawl through the back window mm-hmm. to take her baby back. And you know, that I'm very much hoping to dissipate because it's very hurtful to the birth family that that thought would enter into an adoptive family's mind when they themselves are choosing adoption. Right. And they want the baby to go with this family, not to crawl through a window a year later to take the baby back. Um, Okay. To help dispel this over the several years that you've been working in the field, how many times has that happened? In my experience with building Arizona families, never. It's never happened once? Not within the confines of our agency, no. Okay, so, and you've been through several thousand adoption processes, and this has never happened once in the 16 years I you've been doing this? Several thousand. I would say hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Let's At least that. thousand. Okay, yes. Okay. And... Not once. So this is somewhat of an unfounded fear that they have. Okay. See, like I said, just to help dispel the worry from potentially adoptive parents. I think you could look at it, I think a similarity, and this may be a little extreme, would be for those of you listening that watched um, Friday the 13th, and because of that movie, won't go swim in a lake. Right. Well, if it's named Crystal Lake, I may avoid it myself, but (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly it, you know, because you're afraid of some undead zombie-like person coming and getting you. It's not likely. (laughs) Okay. It's not likely. All right. Very good. I think another important thing is when you're looking at the differences between what is drawing a birth mother to choosing an adoptive family versus what is choosing an adoptive family to a birth mother. It's fascinating to watch sometimes the magnetic connection between the two. Mm -hmm. When you have that really, really solid, good match, it is like harmonious and everybody feels it. It's that chemistry that when, when you're in high school and you know, you've got your first crush and it's just this chemistry that everybody can feel in the room. You know what I mean? It's that same, that same draw, that same magnetic appeal to each other. When a birth mom is looking at a profile of a family, she's got, you know, the books in front of her and she looks at one and she puts it aside and then she picks up the cover and hands it to me and says, no, and won't even open the book. And then she'll pick up one and she'll go through it. And she'll go through it for maybe 45 minutes to an hour. And then she'll put it down. And then she'll go through it again. And there's still, you know, maybe one or two books over here that she's waiting to look through. And she's done. This is the family. She found this the one. This is the aha moment. This is, this is, yeah, she has found her match. And it is amazing when they first connect and they find out more about each other. Because we had one where both sides were nervous. The adoptive 
family very much wanted the birth mother to like them. And the birth mother was very afraid that the adoptive family would judge her, which is a common feeling among birth moms. And it's, and they're not being judged. And we try to reassure them the best that we can, but until they hear it for themselves, you know, and she started finding out about more about the adoptive mom and about how they had similar preferences and they liked the same things. And these things weren't even in the book. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those aha moments where you're like, this was supposed to be, this is what was supposed to happen. And so I think that that's just beautiful. And that is why people who are in the adoption world stay in the adoption world because those moments are priceless. Well, those moments make it more than just a job or a career. It makes it a lifestyle for anybody working in this field. And it, it becomes such an essential part of what gives them reward and meaning. And so, yeah, I, I totally understand. I've seen those moments myself. So, Yeah, just absolutely euphoric. Just unbelievable. Yeah. So I, I absolutely, like I said, you live for those moments. Mm -hmm. uh, so with, with birth mothers, they're looking and yes, I have had a birth mother choose a family because she liked the dog. <laughs> I have had a birth mother kind of have a hard time deciding between two families and the birth father was not as involved in the choosing, but looks over and realizes that one of the adopted parents was wearing a Jersey from his team. Right. And that was that was his dude, right. and that's where his baby was going, and there was no more discussion. Now, have it. you ever heard of like, say, a, a potential a birth mother and birth father looking at these and seeing a picture and going, "Patriots, not them." Anything like that? Yes, actually, <laughs> <laughs> not a particular team, mind you, but yes, absolutely, uh, yes, I have. I'm not that's putting a baby that. in that yes. house. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I have had I have had them look at something and they see something in one of the pictures that they were like, no, no, no. Um, you know, and it can be everything from, oh, they have that type of dog. I got bit by that kind of a dog. Okay. Nope. Or it can be, you know, some moms are very nervous. Um, I had one mom that was very, very nervous about water. She was very worried and None of the families had a pool, mm -hmm. but she didn't want any bodies of water. So she didn't want the baby near a lake, on, near a lake or mm -hmm. living by an ocean or, and so again, everybody has their own preferences and their own right to their preferences. Certainly. I think it's their biological child. They, they definitely get to choose some birth moms. We have to talk with and, and explain that, you know, if you're living in the state of Arizona and you are looking at a family that is living in Nevada or you're looking at a family that is living in North Carolina, pretty much they both require plane trips. I mean, obviously Nevada is a little bit closer, but if you like the family better in North Carolina versus in Nevada, then that's where, because people move, you know, just because you're choosing a family in one state doesn't mean they're always going to live in that state. And Southwest flies to both. So it's not go with a family that is the right family maybe not just focus on the location that's more realistic and then you know for both, both sides once they have their preferences and they have learned to be you know open-minded and and understanding with birth mothers if they if they have been using drugs throughout their pregnancy 
they may not have as many adoptive families that are ready to jump in and be presented. And for a birth mother, that's very hard to understand because this is still a baby and this is her baby and she loves her baby and she wants her baby to have the same choices and advantages that somebody who's not using drugs would have. Again, it is education and explaining that you want to make sure that the family that adopts your baby is equipped to handle whatever comes their way. So, you know, in a lot of cases, the babies come out and they're fine. Should the baby come out and the baby's not fine, we want to make sure that we have an adoptive family that is resolute and is going to stand by your side and your baby's side, no matter what happens. That's really important than the number of choices. I think with regards to to understanding the differences between birth families and adoptive families in what they're looking for in an adoptive match, I think the most important thing to remember is to keep an open mind, to keep as many doors open as you can, because the more doors you have, the less time that you'll wait to become a family. And again, to be realistic in what you're looking for and to understand that babies are placed for adoption because a mother is choosing a life for her child that she cannot provide herself. And there's so much bravery in that. And there's so much heroism that I think that we as a society should definitely look at the match situation and celebrate both sides of the you know adoptive family and the birth mother. And I just think it's a beautiful thing. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. If you're listening and you're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and want more information about adoption, Building Arizona Families is a local Arizona adoption agency and available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. That's 623-695-4112. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or just get you more information. You can also find out more information about Building Arizona families on their website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thanks also go out to Grapes for allowing us to use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. We'd really appreciate it. We also now have a website at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Tune in next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines.